Hello and welcome to the Globe podcast on the World Football Index. On today's episode, we're going to be looking at the World Cup draw, which has just taken place about an hour ago from, from when we were recording this pod. Um, so we're going to try and grab sort of a snap reaction to that draw. Um, with me to discuss it is, first of all, a colleague of my <laughs> colleague. Let's not oh, yeah, 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 I like it. I like it. Stick with it. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with it. A colleague of mine from uh, the South American football show. Um, that's Austin Miller. Um, how are you, Austin? I'm doing well, Adam. I'm doing well. Uh, colleague is certainly the most professional, I think, any of our podcasts have ever been described. But I'm not going to complain about that. I mean, you know, recapping a World Cup draw, that's big stuff. Not everybody can do that. So pleased to be here. Excited for this. Um, this was really my first World Cup draw experience. Uh, as many of our listeners know, I didn't get into football until very late. So uh, to have that first kind of World Cup draw experience was really fun for me. So I had a, a pretty good morning and, and I'm looking forward to breaking it down here with you guys. It's always great to have your enthusiasm on on these pods. And also with us today is Andrew Flint, who is based in, in Russia. So how's it going, Andrew? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Adam. Um, thanks, for, thanks for inviting me on. Um, yeah, I, I'm really, really excited um, to go through this for, for obvious reasons. I'll be here for the World Cup itself. And I am fascinated to see how the host country does in particular. Um, but also also England, my native country. And yeah, it should be, should be a really interesting one. I can't wait to see what you guys think of the draw itself. Cool. Andrew's uh, Russian Football Network pod on, on the World Football Index is certainly worth checking out as well. And we've also got a debut on, on the globe today, and, and that's Tim Lee. Um, Tim, if you can maybe introduce yourself. Sure. Yeah, first of all, thank you, thank you for having me on. Uh, I write for the Tavern at the Tegak Warriors, tegakwarriors.com. It's a Korean, English-language Korean football website, and uh, I do follow the Asian teams as well. Um, and uh, I'm based in Canada, but of course, I'm very proud to support the Korean national team, and I'm happy to be on the pod. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, that's great stuff. You're, you're very much welcome. Okay, first of all, I'll come to you, Andrew, as, as the draw was in Russia, of course. So how did the ceremony go down there? And have you heard anything from friends at the event at all or as to how it was received or any interesting rumours around it? <laughs> well, I mean, yesterday when they did the dress rehearsal, Diego Maradona, who was one of the eight glamorous assistants, um, he was taken ill and he couldn't attend. And there was there was actually rooms, it was a heart problem. So there was quite a lot of worry that he wouldn't be here today, but he was there. Um, uh, my, my colleague at Russian Football News, uh, Danny Armstrong, who lives in Moscow, works for Russia Today, which is the English language news channel that uh, Stan Collymore now works for. Um, and also Peter Schmeichel, they both signed up for World Cup um, hosting duties. So they were there. The number of famous people there was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, you had, you had Gordon Banks representing England, Nikita Simonyan, uh, a legend of the Russian game. Um, you, you had Cafu, you had, uh, well, like I say, Stan Collymore. Um, uh, so it was received pretty well because it's Russia's chance to show the world a side that rarely gets reported or at least gets overlooked a lot, especially in uh, English and American media. And um, 
this is the perfect chance to do that. I'm not trying to brush over the problems that, that there are in Russia, but I would like to highlight the positives too. And this was a great chance to do that. Yeah, very much so. So let's let's get on to the draw itself. We've already had claims that the opening match of this World Cup will go down as the worst opening match in history. Um, <laughs> I feel that the Russia-Saudi Arabia tie is, is possibly a little bit of a shame for viewing public around the world. It's, it's, it's not exactly a tie that, that gets the juices flowing. But what do you make of it, Andrew? I, I imagine that it's been pretty well received in Russia. No, it's, it's pretty much the perfect opening tie. Yeah, I mean, to be, to be fair... The pressure is is fairly big on Russia. The um, the coach Stanislav Cherchesov has been rather coerced into saying that the target for Russia is to reach the semi-finals. Now that's a fairly optimistic target, to say the least. Um, now a lot of people, if they have paid much attention to Russia in recent years, will realise that they've been fairly dreadful for well for quite some time, really. 2008 was really the last glorious time. Euro 2012 was a good tournament too, but since then, uh, been very little. However, recently, the squad has been completely revitalised by Cherchesov, um, former Dynamo Moscow goalkeeper, and he's got rid of all the deadwood. Um, the Beretsuski brothers, who are both 35, Sergei Nashevich is 37, they've been got rid of. Igor Denisov, great holding midfielder, he's been cut out of the squad. And you've got a lot of youngsters coming through, like um, the Miranchuk twins you may have heard of. Uh, Alexander Golovin played for TSKA Moscow against Manchester United in the Champions League. So there's a lot of positivity around the side. And, you know, the draw for the first game against Saudi Arabia is a, it's about as low risk as it comes. And that's kind of what Russia need for the first game. And I'm talking purely of the teams for their prospects of progressing, not for the glamour. Like you mentioned, it's, it's, uh, it, it doesn't quite get the juices flowing, I admit. But that's kind of what Russia want. They want an opening game where they'll get a, a win under their belts, get the three points, and then be in a very strong position coming into the Egypt game. Um, so, yeah, I'm delighted, and so are most Russian fans. Austin, what, 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 what are your thoughts on this opening match? Um, excited for it or a little bit disappointed? I'm excited for it. I mean, look, it's the World Cup. You're never going to be not excited about a match. And it's kind of fun to have that first match, get a chance to focus in on, on some of the teams that, it obviously Russia as the host would never fly under the radar. But Saudi Arabia is a team that many will expect to come to the World Cup, play three matches and go home with, without ever really getting any attention on them. And now here they are in the opening match of the World Cup. And I think that, that's a pretty cool scene. For them, you have plenty of exciting fixtures down the line. You don't need to necessarily have one for the opening match to, to be a scene. So, yeah, you know, I would echo what Andrew said, that it's a perfect draw for Russia. Looking at the rest of, of the group, you know, every team in this group, I think, will be very pleased with it. Uruguay, uh, a South American team who will obviously cover more in-depth on the South American football show we're planning to record sometime this weekend. They have to like that group. Egypt and Saudi Arabia, two teams that were probably dependent on their draw to kind of have those hopes of, of getting out of the group. I think they will both look at that and say, you know, we know the problems with this Russian team. Uruguay is a South American team that we can probably fancy ourselves having a go at. So Egypt and Saudi Arabia are, are certainly both pleased. And you look at this group A, there's not a team in this that you kind of think is, is going to be in over their heads. So I think it should make for a pretty fascinating couple of fixtures between all of these teams to see who ends up actually getting out of this group. Yeah, it's certainly set to be very competitive, like you say. It is the worst possible uh, matchup ranking-wise, that opening match. I don't want to dwell on that too much. Tim, do you, do you have anything to add? 
Yeah, well, from a Saudi Arabia standpoint, I'm pretty sure that they'll be thrilled with the draw. And and you're right, it will be interesting to focus in on on the Saudis in the opening match under the under the spotlight of of the opening game because this is a side who's which is composed really of only players from the Saudi league. They have no players playing outside of Saudi Arabia except for a couple, and they they also have indulged in the Saudi Arabia and managerial merry-go-round that they. Uh, so often do so you, you can't really be sure who's going to be their manager at their world cup six months is a long time in saudi arabian football but um i think they'll be happy to draw i think obviously playing the hosts in the first game is difficult but like everyone's mentioned i think everyone has a, has a shot to get out of this group so for the saudis it's they'll be really happy with that and adam i know that you have a brother who lives in egypt so what's the kind of feeling there i'd imagine they're fairly happy with how this group a panned out for them yeah my brother lives in cairo so the the capital there and and he tells me that the memes have already started on facebook for example suarez chasing after egyptian children with his giant teeth um there's another one he sent me where there's a there's there's a little egyptian boy pointing at the tv with with suarez on it with 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 his teeth out ready to bite someone so yeah the, the the jokes have already started there in the north african nation yeah and my brother also pointed out to me that nearly one million egyptians work and live in saudi arabia so there's plenty of talk about that tie as well in this group so some really fascinating matchups and i, and I think that egypt will certainly feel um, certainly if Mo Salah is, is, is healthy and fit, that they can give the, the three other teams in this group plenty of problems. And Adam, I know before we move on to Group B, you're surely pleased to see Juan Antonio Pizzi, who couldn't get the job done with Chile, now potentially getting the spotlight of the opening match of the World Cup with Saudi Arabia, surely, right? Yeah, I'm not bitter in the slightest about that, Oscar. Not bitter at all. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, well, let's move on and take a look at, at Group B, which... At the start of the draw, about halfway through, looked like it could be perhaps one of the more difficult groups. Portugal getting drawn into it early, then being joined by their European neighbors, Spain. And at that point of the draw, you're probably thinking, oh boy, this is going to be quite the group. But then it turns out that it's filled out by Morocco and Iran. So two top, a top-heavy group here in Group B with two European powers, joined by two very, very defensive sides. Iran did not concede an Asian qualification until the very last match day. Morocco did not concede a goal in the final group stage. They conceded just one goal the entire time throughout African qualifying. Tim, for Iran, this is a big, big task, but the blueprint is kind of there for them. You know what they're going to do. That opening match against Morocco will be crucial, and then they're just going to try to defend their way through both Spain and Portugal, no? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you're absolutely right. And having a lot of Iranian friends uh, over the years following Asian football, they were initially devastated by the draw, of course, with Portugal and Spain. But the blueprint will be will be practically the same, and they'll never really be expected to to attack, save for perhaps the first match. You saw in 2014 against Argentina what they're able to do to put up a very strong, organized defensive lock. That required a bit of messy magic to unlock. I agree. Would agree on paper. This is a top heavy group, but I would not rule Iran out of the running. I think that they have a lot in them. They're the best side in Asia by by far. If they can get a shock result against one of the top two teams and beat Morocco, I think they can make it to the knockout stage. And Andrew, obviously, the headline in this group is Portugal Spain. It opens up this group the second day of the World Cup. How's that for a matchup? Yeah, I think to be fair, that is a slightly more glamorous um, fixture than than Russia against Saudi Arabia, um, and it's almost 
I, I'm always caught in two minds about this. When you look at the groups and you look at the fixtures, the really big ones, I almost don't want the big fixture to be first in the group because then you've got one of the top sides who's genuinely under uh, a lot of pressure. I still don't see either Spain or Portugal struggling to get out of this group. Although, like you guys have mentioned, the very, very different approaches of the of well, of Morocco and Iran compared to Portugal and Spain, that will actually be fascinating in itself. So, I think this is going to be one of the one of the most interesting uh, interesting groups to to play out because you've got you've got the expectation of Portugal and Spain, um, but you know for for all of Spain's history in relatively recent years, I mean, from personal experience, I watched them uh, in their friendly against Russia in Saint Petersburg a few weeks ago, and and Russia quite honestly outplayed them for large parts of the game, not the entire game, but certainly large parts of it. So Spain can be got at. Their defence is not as solid as it possibly used to be. One little side note I would add is that there are one or two players in the Iran squad, I don't know if they'll be in the World Cup final squad, of course, but who play their, their football in Russia. Um, there's uh, Said Ezzatullahi had a really, really good season last season, but he's not had so much game time at Ankar PM, but he's just getting into the side at the moment. Ankar PM are a desperately negative side. Um, but then, of course, there's Sada Asmun, who's the, like, the star name, if you like. Um, and bizarrely, he also is struggling to get into his club side, despite them being Ruben Kazan, despite them being low mid-table. Um, but they, they at least know the land. Um, they know the Russian players. They know the, the country a little bit. How much help that will give them, I don't know. But yeah, a very interesting group. Fascinating, I think. And Adam, to kind of close it out on this group, I think it's so interesting, like Andrew mentioned, that first match being Portugal-Spain. If that match ends in a draw, you could be staring at a scenario where if either Morocco or Iran can get the three points from their first match against each other, then the path to qualification doesn't seem so difficult. And it really highlights how important that opening match for all four of these teams could be. Three points there, qualification definitely seems possible. If you lose, you might be done after just one match day. Yeah, indeed. And I was very impressed with Morocco in uh, CAF World Cup qualifying. I, I watched a couple of their games and they were very well organized. They have, they have some very talented defenders there. Um, so I can certainly see them getting at least a point against Portugal and Spain, really, um, on on a good day, of course. Uh, but they would need to be at their very best, and I can certainly get see them getting the win um, against Iran. So, um, yeah, I, I can see Morocco potentially being a little bit of a dark horse in this group. Yeah, that that first that first match is really the first big match of this tournament, isn't it? As well, the Portugal Spain match up in this group. So. And, and the other thing about this group is it's actually quite interesting from a geographical perspective with Portugal, Spain and Morocco mm-hmm. all in all in the same all in the same group and all in a very similar part of the world as well. Okay, um, now we're going to move on to not look at a group as such, but a look at kind of one of the most talked about days of this tournament and that's the Saturday the 16th of June that day is is the only day where there's four World Cup matches all in the same day so the draw was anticipated for many reasons but um, this this day being one of them and the four games we've got on that day are Argentina Iceland Croatia Nigeria Peru Denmark and France Australia so there's some pretty interesting matchups there and um and it's going to be a festival of football, no, guys? 
Yeah, Adam, you're exactly right. Uh, coming into the draw, I know you in particular were looking at this day. You've probably had your calendar cleared for Lord knows how long, making sure that June 16th, those four matches, and I think we got a pretty good treat. France-Australia may be the least attractive of them, but a lot of questions surrounding that Australia side. But for Argentina, they have to try and break down that difficult Iceland side. We saw Argentina struggle with really defensive teams at the 2014 World Cup. We saw them struggle with really defensive teams throughout Conmebol World Cup qualification. I think back to their match against Venezuela, where they only got a point. That match against Peru, that was so vital on the second to last day of qualification. So right from the get-off, they have another one of those tests against an Iceland team that will be happily content to give away possession and sit back and, and try and make Argentina break them down. Croatia-Nigeria is, is a fascinating match. I think this Group D is, is really intriguing with Nigeria, of course, being in with Argentina yet again. Croatia and Iceland shared a qualification group in UEFA. Those two teams will absolutely think that they can get out of this group. I think they will see this Argentina side as wounded, you know, regardless of what the narrative may be. The fact is, is they struggled in Conmebol World Cup qualification. So Group D, I think, is, is a bit more open than, than it may appear at first glance. For Peru, I think they probably got off toughest of the South American sides as far as the draw is concerned. We know the talent that France have. Denmark were very solid throughout UEFA qualifiers. Australia, a bit of an unknown, waiting to appoint a new manager. What will that squad look like? But for Peru, I think it's going to be a task to get out of Group C. By no means too difficult for them. Uh, but it's going to start with that match against Denmark and, and how critical it will be for Peru to, to get off, even if it's just a point there, to get off on the right foot and then you know take a look at the fact that they closed with Australia in that group, and that could be where they get their three points, kind of work their way up the table to maybe get out. Yeah, I see Peru and Denmark as a really kind of pleasing on the eye game if both of those teams are at their best. Also, in very much in that mould is is Croatia against Nigeria as well. And Andrew, I know that you kind of keep half an eye on on Eastern European football as well. What do you think the Croatians make of of this group? Quite tough, no? Yeah, I actually think it is one of the toughest groups, certainly because um, they they know all about against them in the I believe it was the Brazil twenty fourteen qualifiers um, in the playoff. I think it was, and they 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 came through that. Sort of comfortably enough, but now I'm just evolving into a slightly different side. Before they were almost the, well, I, I don't want to say the joke side, but they were like the novelty act. And now they've they've come to a major tournament in Euro 2016. They, they play, play very well. They, there's, I wouldn't say expectation that they will get through, but there's certainly confidence that they can that they can get something out of this group. So yeah, I think. I think certainly it's a very tough group. Nigeria, I know probably the least about of this um, of this group, but that kind of makes them a dangerous prospect. As soon as you know less about a team, it makes it much more hard harder to to plan you know your approach for the game. And Argentina, we know all about them, obviously. So yeah, I think Croatia probably will be. They they should be getting through, but it's by no means a foregone conclusion. This. And I think about the Argentina-Nigeria friendly, which just happened in November. Argentina finally got World Cup qualification. They went uh, to Russia and, and played Nigeria in a match, and they struggled. Argentina went out to an early lead and then got pegged back at the end of that. So Nigeria are definitely a team that can give Argentina problems. The question with some of these African sides is always, you know, will they show up at their best at the World Cup? That can sometimes be an issue. But if Nigeria are are locked and, and loaded like we know they can be, and I think they will be, then that makes this group D so much tougher. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite confident that the African sides will have a better time of it in this World Cup. But there is a big but, and that is, firstly, yeah, if, if they go to the World Cup, you know, without the common issues which surround African nations heading to the World Cup, like bonuses not being paid, all that, if, if they have that sorted. And, and the other major issue is a lot of the African nations tend to sort of change their manager all of a sudden, just before the World Cup, which I, which is always a bad move I feel so I'm hoping that you know these squads and managers can stick together the re- the relevant FAs kind of make sure that the players are happy heading into the tournament and I, I think we could get a better showing um, from African nations than perhaps we have done in, in other World Cups and Nigeria are due as well so they think it's the fifth World Cup where Nigeria have drawn, uh, have drawn Argentina in the third in a row yeah, but those two always seem to get paired together. At, don't so, at, at some point, at some point, one of these days, Nigeria is going to get a result. You hope against Argentina. Well, f- Croatia were also in Argentina and Nigeria's group in 1998 World Cup. I seem to recall as well. So, um, yeah, a little bit of history repeating itself there. Okay, before we move on to Group E, um, I just want to take a, a quick step back to look at Group C in a little bit more detail and and that and that's have a look at australia um australia of course qualified from the afc region and they had to go through that intercontinental playoff against honduras um which they won fairly comfortably in the end but it's there's quite a lot of upheaval there and they actually have no head coach in place at the moment hoping to do a globe podcast on that next week actually with a couple of special guests based in australia yeah, Tim, this this is this looks a pretty tough ass for Australia, no? I I think so from my standpoint. Um, looking at your know, France, Peru, Denmark, these are all very very respectable sides, and opening against France nonetheless is is very very difficult. A few Australian uh, pundits though seem to think that they have a ch- they have a shot out of this group and are actually quite happy about it. So perhaps there's a there's a perception difference here, but I, I do think that Australia are in a bit of a pickle. They, they, in the Confederations Cup, we saw that they did often lack the final ball, that final pass, the creative hub, and relying on Tim Cahill at another World Cup, I, I don't really see them see see that working again. It will remain to be seen, but if I had to, if I were a betting man, I wouldn't bet on Australia to get out of the group, especially not if their current situation. I would hope, however, that the new manager does have a more of an, an offensive mentality, because I feel like Australia does excel uh, when they when they are on the front foot and go out and attack at the attack teams. In 2014, they did have it was there were some fun games uh, when they did try to go out and do that. So, if they repeat that same tactic, then you'll never know. But uh, I, I'm not too optimistic about Australia on this one. Okay, yeah, it'd be fascinating to see who they appoint and um, and then how they approach that group thereafter. Um, let's move on to look at Group E. Um, Austin, you'll be all over this, I'm sure. I think Brazil were looking to get drawn in Group B or G. Is that correct? For logistical reasons? Yeah, so Brazil has announced that they're going to make their World Cup base in Sochi, in the south of Russia, obviously the city that hosted the Winter Olympics in 2014. And the number one team in Group B and in Group G played their first match in Sochi. So that was ideally logistically where Brazil would have liked to have fallen so that they wouldn't have had to travel for that first match and it would have been a quote-unquote home match for them playing in the city that they're based in. But a request certainly for Brazil, but it's certainly not the end of the world that they haven't fallen into one of those groups. 
And I think they'll like the matchups that they've gotten as well. Looking at this group, um, I think Switzerland will provide a stern test in that opening match because they've been pretty defensively solid um, throughout um, European World Cup qualifying. But I would still back Brazil to to beat them there. Um, Costa Rica, you know, they come into this World Cup probably with expect expectations, um, not necessarily within Costa Rica, but certainly sort of around the world, sort of raised by their performance four years ago. I was actually lucky enough to be in the stadium to see their quarterfinal against the Netherlands. And uh, they were, of course, just a penalty shootout, a penalty shootout away from reaching the semifinals um, in Brazil. From from what I understand um, from guys I know who follow CONCACAF is that this Costa Rica side isn't a patch on the on the one four years ago, no? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think, as you said, everybody will think back to what they did in 2014 and just make that jump that, oh, Costa Rica could be dangerous again here in Group E. But the truth is, is, is they've really struggled. Um, they were fine in CONCACAF qualifying, not overly impressive, obviously probably the easiest region to qualify for. Their best performance was a 2-0 win away to the United States. Certainly when they were at their defending and counterattacking best, which is what they will have to be if they are to get out of this group. But I don't see them able to repeat that performance they had in 2014. I think that was kind of a once in a generational type performance for this Costa Rica side. Yes, they still have Navas. Yes, they still have Ruiz. But all of those players are older. All of those players have, have grown on in a couple of years since that World Cup. So yeah, I don't see Costa Rica factoring much in this group, and I think to expect them to be would be a little bit unfair to them and to the rest of the teams in this group E. Yeah, if, if Costa Rica were to get out of this group, they would have to beat Serbia. Andrew, what do you make of Serbia's chances in this group? Well, a few years ago, I would have put them as favourites to go through alongside Brazil, but um, you mentioned Switzerland's... Um, well, discipline and their record in qualifying is actually remarkable. They actually had the fourth best um, record if you if you go by points one goal difference or whatever. But they still had to go through the qualifiers. Um, they they've qualified, I believe it's for seven of the last eight tournaments, but they never go much beyond the the first knockout round. In fact, they they very rarely even qualify for that. So. I actually think Switzerland this time around, I, I fancy Switzerland to um, to take that second spot. That Serbia-Switzerland game, for me, is going to be the key game. I have to say, with Costa Rica, I thoroughly enjoyed, like most of the world did, um, last time out in Brazil, uh, watching them. Uh, I thought they were fantastic. But I do have similar concerns to, to what you mentioned, Austin, about um, the the way the squad is now four years older. Has it been re-energised sufficiently? I'm, I'm not convinced they have. So I think that Switzerland-Serbia game could be could be key, really. Serbia's chances, well, they, of course, they're a very talented side. But uh, personally, I'm just about siding with Switzerland to go through in this one. Well, let's move on from a groupie that should certainly be exciting to, I think, maybe my most exciting group of this World Cup. Certainly from a North American CONCACAF perspective here in Group F, you have Mexico, you have Germany, a team that many have anointed the favorites. Uh, some have said that it wouldn't even matter who they would play in the group, but I think they've gotten a difficult draw here. A Sweden side who are certainly talented, and, and Tim, a South Korea side that may not like the draw very much, but could certainly play with the team in this group. There's no really getting around it. This was not the draw that South Korea wanted, no? No, and we were devastated, really, because it came down to Group 
F for Group H, with Panama being drawn to Group G for geographical reasons. And it was either Poland, Senegal, Colombia, or Germany, Mexico, Sweden. And obviously, it was Group H that Korean fans wanted. But no, of course, that one that went to Japan, which is uh, immensely frustrating for a Korean fan that the rivalry has continued even at the World Cup draw. But um, yeah, listen, I don't. South Korea doesn't seem to match up really well with Sweden. Sweden's got well, those the very direct one going forward, but defensively very stoic. And Korea struggles immensely against teams like that. Mexico and Germany, they had favorable results against these uh, countries at the Olympics. But of course, the Olympics and the World Cup are not the same. And Korean media is basically saying we're done. Uh, it's it's given how fragile this team was, and given uh, the the structural problems that exist. We had to have an easier draw to qualify uh, from the from the to, the to the knockout stage. So no, I'm I'm really not optimistic about this one, especially with Mexico, who seem to who have qualified for the round of 16. I think what six World Cups in a row now. It, it's it's hard. It's 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 immensely difficult. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it that this is a very difficult group. I think for for you know all four of these teams, even even Germany included, Andrew. It, I think they'll be tested, and I think that maybe to their benefit, you know, they haven't gotten a group that they'll just be able to cakewalk through. Mexico and Germany should be a good matchup. Germany, Sweden, I'm excited for, and I think South Korea could also uh, pose some questions for them. But overall, Andrew, you'd probably expect Germany to go through first here. Yeah, you'd have to say so. Um, I mean, the Confederations Cup this summer, Germany brought what was effectively their third choice team, possibly even fourth choice team, and they pretty much strolled to it. Uh, and Mexico, of course, were here as well. Mexico came in the summer with an extraordinarily experienced squad. Uh, had something like 1,300 caps um, overall across the 23 players, um, whereas Germany's squad was virtually the least experienced. Um, and there was such a gulf in class, not just between Mexico and Germany, but between uh, between the others too. Um, now, in terms of in terms of this group, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I've, Germany to not walk away with it, but be relatively relatively comfortable i'd argue that their fixtures go in order of difficulty starting from the hardest first so if they get if they get a result against mexico i'd say they could almost well i mean within reason take their foot off the gas a little bit sweden mexico uh, again the last match day i see that as being possibly the decisive game for the team to join them um, Sweden have Andreas Granqvist who plays in Russia um, Victor Klassen who plays in, in Krasnodar um, so they have again a couple of players who are used to the the country um, and one of the little thing I would mention actually at this point is the conditions today if you watched on TV you'd have seen the snow and the freezing cold in Moscow next summer you will be shocked at how hot it gets in Russia during the summer, and particularly down south in Sochi and Rostov. So the Germany-Sweden game, for example, that will be absolutely roasting. It'll be 35 degrees probably minimum. Um, and that's something people probably haven't factored into the whole state of play. But yeah, Germany to go through, I'd probably argue Mexico to go with them. Okay, well, uh, to be honest, guys, I'm kind of on on the opposite side to this argument I, I i feel that germany have got a pretty easy group here mexico is they have some talented players but under juan carlos osorio we've seen time and time again as soon as they face anybody sort of half decent they get blown away and as with south korea they were disappointing for me in in world cup qualifying and and sweden did well obviously to to, to get past italy but 
I don't feel they're anything special. And and it's and Sweden are a team at Germany are gonna know all about. And I, I just see this as nine points out of nine for Germany in this group. I think the only interest here is who comes second, and the I can see the other three sort of cancelling each other out a little bit there. So 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 that's the only interesting thing I see in this group. I I, I would push back on that a little bit. Uh, I think I know Adam that you are less than entertained even we could say with this Mexico side uh I know you are a big fan of the seven that Chile put past them in 2016 but I like what Osorio has done with Mexico I like a lot of the players that they have I know that the pressure will be on this Mexico side uh, but I think I would fancy them to to get out of this group and I think I might even fancy them to to take a point from Germany in that opening match Mexico played very well I thought in their November friendlies against European competition curious to see what they do in March who they decide to end up playing but I think Mexico have a pretty good chance of getting out of this group second, and I think I would I would favor them to do so. Well, Mexico famously have never been beyond the last 16 on foreign soil, and, and to be honest, I don't think this draw doesn't match favors there, because even if they did get past this group, they'd probably play Brazil in, in, in the last 16. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be a quarterfinal place for them this time around either. Um, okay, okay. Let's move on to Group G, and in this group, heading up this group, should I say, is is Belgium, um, and they've been paired off against England, which for me is quite an interesting um, um, tie because um, I have some Belgian relatives. Um, I already been speaking to my nephew today about where his loyalties lie in that in that in that tie and um, he was gutted that Belgium and England got drawn together so he's gonna have to make a decision now it seems um, but yeah I, I think both the European nations in this group will be fairly happy that they've been paired with Panama and Tunisia two of the weaker sides without a doubt in 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 this World Cup so Andrew, I'll come to you first. As an Englishman, are you are you happy with this draw? Yeah, pretty much delighted. Um, I think it, it's worked out very well, and particularly also the sort of position in the group, so that the fixture against Belgium is the last match day. Um, so in theory, I, you, you have to imagine Belgium and England would have progression wrapped up by that final match day. Takes the pressure off. Um, they have to travel to Kaliningrad as well, which is. It's not the most convenient um, journey, although England are stationed in St. Petersburg, so they are actually based relatively close in the, when I say relatively close, I'm talking relative to, you know, by Russian standards, where down the road for a home game is 300 kilometres on the motorway for me. Um, But um, yeah, I'm very happy. Panama, I'm sure will be, you know, a very spirited side. I, I have a small inkling they might be that's vaguely similar to Trinidad and Tobago in 2006, who, you know, were basically thought of to be the whipping boys, but caused us quite a few problems. And uh, I believe it was Crouchy scored with five minutes to go in that one. Um, so I don't think Panama will be, uh, I don't think they'll be blown away completely. They'll be, you know, set up for what I guess will be a point. Um, but England should, shouldn't have too much trouble, uh, and nor should Belgium. Um, probably would be one of the less eventful groups. Um, but I'm quite happy with that. Get through to the next stage and then start again almost. Yeah, I, th- I think this is going to be one of those groups where England are expected to do well, but that can sometimes be yeah, England's worst enemy, really, that kind of high expectation. Uh, that match against Tunisia, if they don't get a win in it, 
then you can imagine the, the newspapers are going to go to town on them um, <laughs> in England <laughs> with all sorts of headlines. So, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be nervous. I'm sure the players heading into that match. I, I personally see Panama as probably the weakest team in this World Cup, maybe alongside Saudi Arabia. Um, Austin, do you go along with that or do you have a different view? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, look, for Panama, getting this far was was the goal. They've never qualified for the World Cup. Um, the scenes when they qualified were incredible. And I think that'll loosen them up a little bit. I don't know if that will make them more or less dangerous Look, there's no pressure on Panama. The entire nation will watch all three matches with joy, even if they get beat in all three matches and fail to score. So it'll free Panama up. You'll probably see them dive into some challenges late. You'll probably see a Panamanian get sent off at some point. Um, (laughs) But, you know, they'll have a go at it, and and they'll see what they can do. They'll see if they can frustrate Belgium. They'll see if they can maybe steal a point from England. And then, you know, you look at that final match day. I think uh, Andrew was spot on in saying that it could be England and Belgium already on six. And, you know, Panama and Tunisia have a chance to pick up three points in a dead rubber, which I guess is an achievement of some sorts. So, yeah, I don't think it's fair to expect really anything from Panama, but I don't think Panama expects anything from their side at this point. So who knows? Maybe they could lock down and get a point at some point and at least frustrate either one of these big European sides. You don't think they could be this tournament's Costa Rica? I do not, know. Um, okay. I don't think that they have the, the discipline able to do that. I don't know that they have the attacking talent, really. Um, Panama really struggled for goals at points in CONCACAF mm-hmm. qualifying. Um, when tasked with you know, trying to go away and, and pick up a point, they struggled to do that. You know? You'd like to think that maybe their, their mindset will be to defend in, to bunker down and get a point, but I don't think they're disciplined enough to really do that. Um, They'll give it a they'll give it a shot, and there's you know there's no shame in that. But I think that would be pretty difficult to envision Panama able to play at that level. Yeah, j- just one more interesting point about this group is that England Belgium uh, matchup will have quite a few Tottenham players playing in it, so a bit of an inter Spurs derby, <laughs> um, if you will. But yeah, I, th- I think maybe we should move on to the final group and wrap this podcast up. And the final groups, Group H, and that's with. Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. Um, I haven't managed to get Simon Edwards' uh, reaction to this. I think he's stuck in an airport somewhere. He might have even um, been on Chile. a plane, which would be brilliant. Oh, yeah, I think he might be, be on a plane, yeah. So mm. he probably won't know the result of this draw until he touches down. But yeah, I think he will be pretty happy with Colombia's lot here. In, we're we're going to do a South American uh football show um, looking at the South American teams in more detail and, um, and and their reaction to the to this World Cup draw but I'm pretty sure he's going to be happy with this now Austin yeah for sure um, Colombia are a very talented side who certainly had their issues but they draw you know at least on paper the second weakest seed into their group in Poland the only thing better could have been Russia a Senegal side that I think Colombia-Senegal on the final match day could be a really entertaining match. I'm really looking forward to that. And then the Colombia-Japan match. Um, Japan are a, a disciplined side, um, but I don't know that Japan will really scare Colombia. I, I think Japan have kind of been the same at, at every World Cup for a while now. Um, and I think Colombia will like their chances in that opening match to start off with three points. So certainly a good draw for them. And, and Tim, I'll come to you next because Japan are in this group and um, 
and I know that you've got a keen eye on this group for that reason. So, uh, what do you make of Japan's uh, chances of getting out of this group? I think it's fairly tough for them, given there's Colombia and there's also Senegal, and Senegal were one of the most impressive African sides, and also also you've got Poland who who qualified in style as well. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of Japanese were initially very satisfied with the draw just because of uh, of, of how the, the draw was conducted. It, it could have been, they could have had Korea's draw, which is probably worse. If you look at it, it's quite similar actually to the group that Japan had in 2014. Well, Colombia, of course, is, is was in both groups. The Ivory Coast and Senegal, both strong calf sides. And then you have Greece and Poland. Well, Poland's probably a little bit better, but Greece did manage to get out of that. So yeah, I guess you can see the onus is definitely on Japan to to adapt and 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 show they have what it takes to to step up. It 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 remains a difficult group. And though Japan topped their qualifying group in the AFC, to be really honest, apart from Iran, there wasn't any Asian team that really stood out with with the quality that made you go, ah, they could really you know ruffle a few feathers at the World Cup. And Japan is one of them. Uh, again, we'll we'll see what has to happen. But uh, the opening match against Colombia will definitely be telling, I feel. I do think Colombia should be a little bit wary, though, of Asian teams, given how they did recently lose to South Korea, and it was a very poor Korean side uh, in, in any case. And they should probably not uh, not think this is a walkover. Uh, we, we saw if, if Jamas Rodriguez is, is stifled in, in midfield by a, a tireless, you know, Conte-esque kind of marker, uh, if Japan has that kind of quality in their side, it, it does... Leave them open to to, to on the counter attack and to and, and and conceding, so I think all sides should be wary of their opponents in this group and not think they have it in the bag. But Japan does seem a little bit hard done by. Austin, do you have anything to add? Yeah. No, I, I I'm curious to see this Poland side. Um, you know, coming into the draw, the the common kind of thought was you know. Poland are kind of gamed their way into that first pot. And, and that's certainly true in some sense, avoiding playing friendlies, doing well in qualifiers to kind of jump ahead of Spain. But I think this is, it's still a very talented Poland side. And, I, and I'm curious to see how they look in this group. Senegal, a big wild card here as well. I think this is a very intriguing group and, and I'm really excited to see how it plays out. Well, Poland certainly have a lot of talent in their side, but I was disappointed as to how they approach their knockout matches in Europe. 2016 I, I thought they were a little bit too defensive in the end um, so it'd be interesting to see how they approach this tournament uh, another quick point um, I remember reading a, a, a tweet um, early which which said that Japan um, had never beaten a South American nation actually so them getting paired with Colombia is probably not the best result for them though no. well yeah I, I definitely I definitely agree um, and though I don't have the statistic with me, I, I guess if you look at it from a holistic point of view, yeah, Asian teams just on quality alone don't really team, uh, tend to match up very well with South American sides. Okay, let's wrap this up by going around the virtual table. Um, so first of all, I'll come to you. Good debut on this pod. Thanks for coming on. Um, where can people find you on Twitter and do you have anything to plug? Yeah, thank you for having me on. On Twitter, I'm a corefan12, so K-O-R-Fan12. Unoriginal, I suppose. And then on, I, I do some work with the Korean soccer website, takeagwarriors.com. So it's at, at takeag underscore warrior on Twitter. Please give us a follow uh, and you'll have all the reaction and analysis and desperation ahead of the World Cup draw leading up to the World Cup. It was great to be on and uh, looking forward to see if any Asian teams can actually 
cause a surprise. Do you have anything to plug, Andrew? Well, I, I'm doing um, some coverage for Unibet on the World Cup covering Switzerland. So um, I might just I might just plug that basically. Okay, that's great. Um, thanks, thanks for coming on, Andrew, and um, and hopefully speak to you again in the coming months before the World Cup kicks off. Ah, cheers, thanks for having me on, guys. That's uh, it's going to be a fascinating World Cup, and I, I really genuinely can't wait um, for this. I, I have a vested interest, of course, because I'm here in the country, and I'll be waiting on my um, application for accreditation for the World Cup. If that comes through, then oh. A month of absolute bliss on trains all night crossing Russia. Sounds great. And Austin, do you have anything to plug apart from your Twitter handle? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Austin underscore James 906. Uh, our final Copa Libertadores podcast of the year just came out on the World Football Index feed. Uh, so be sure to give that a listen. As you said, Adam, we will have a more in-depth South American football show at some point, hopefully early next week to kind of go more in-depth on, on the South American nations and how they'll be feeling about their draws and their particular matchups. So I would just plug those, you know, obviously along with everything else we have on the World Football Index. Uh, so be sure to subscribe to those podcasts. Uh, and if you like what we're doing, uh, feel free to give us a review on iTunes. Yeah, I certainly echo those thoughts. Okay, thanks again, guys, for coming on. Thanks to our listeners for choosing this podcast. And goodbye. Goodbye.